Black Oni. You're now listening to the Black Oni Podcast. And you can combine these mixes in any different way with the vocals from one track, the drums from one track, or the guitar from another track, or the rhythm from another track, and being able to mix that in with creating your own solos in the song, it makes a very unique music experience. And all you have to do is just wave your hands. That's it. That you know what this? Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's made by Harmonix, the same guys who made uh, Guitar Hero, nice. Rock, uh, and these guys. Uh, they made it so where now you have an enjoyable music game that you can't actually fail and it's fun if you have a group of people going like if you have like a live party going on like a lot of people and you just have music and make it to where people can make their own that's a great idea I yeah think. yeah i think so yeah we had we had a lot of fun with that game sorry i'm looking over <laughs> we, here because i'm actually still adding the names to the live stream <laughs> oh, yeah. we played uh god we, we played that for six hours i think my voice is still kind of lost from that entire day. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, must be a good time. Yeah, yeah. Darius, I would recommend it. Yeah, get your hands on that. You thought it was 360, right? Soon. It came out already. Me? Who on 360? You have a 360, right? Uh, uh, I had one. Uh-huh. I still have one. It's for both Xbox One and for Xbox 360. It oh. just requires a Connect to Play. Right. Uh, if you have an Xbox and around, you have a Connect or something like that. Go pick it up. It's yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would agree. God damn it, <laughs> stuff like falling over there. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Darius? What are you playing? Um, I've downloaded Dust. I played for a couple minutes, but haven't been able to put that many hours into it yet. Um, I've mostly been playing Drive Club, and then um, here and there with my friends, I've been playing Destiny. But D- Drive Club's had been... most of my time. I don't mean to interrupt, but you actually got Drive Club to work? Um, yeah. <laughs> so the story goes, I got it the night it was available to download. Um, and the servers, obviously, as we know, weren't working. And I'm just thinking, oh, maybe they're not up yet. Game just came out like 3 a.m. Like, I'll play in the morning. But then, you know, no luck. I, I had to wait just like everybody else a couple of weeks, like two weeks now, two and a half weeks now for it to actually mm-hmm. be stable. But it finally is stable after about three updates they've released for it. Um, every time I log in, online's working, you know. Um, whereas before, when I first got it, you'd log in and no dice at all, couldn't connect. But, um, I've mostly been playing the tour mode, honestly, because that's where you do a lot of the car unlocking and um, paint unlocking and things like that. So I've been spending a lot of time doing that. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> but I know we're going to get into that later on. In oh, the yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're definitely getting into that very soon. Um, and so speaking of actually, uh, I, I've been playing a couple of games right now. Um, mostly you guys can still hear me, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I'm still messing around with some audio settings. It's still a little bit messy and really hard to figure out exactly the best, the best situation, the best setup. But, um, 
Uh, I've been playing... What the hell have I been playing? I've been playing a little bit of Destiny. Uh, I actually just got Shadow Warrior. And I've been liking that a lot. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a little silly. It's a little crazy. Um, the hit detection's a little off on when, like, monsters are hitting you. Like, they'll go like, ah, and, like, hit you like that. And I'm, like, all the way back there. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't like that. But, um... Uh, I've been playing that. I've been playing a little bit of Lords of Fallen. Um, that's been pretty good. And I've been playing... Um, I've been playing Dust. Dust is a very <laughs> enjoyable game. I really like that game. I love uh, the Nimbat. I already forgot her name, though. It's... Um, oh, man. Wow. I, I should know this. I know. It was, I, know. I, was, I, was, I played it a little bit this morning. Why don't I remember? <laughs> Fidget. 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 Yeah. So Fidget is awesome. Um, I love Fidget. <laughs> Her voice actor does a great job. Yeah. yeah. Nicking, nicking that character, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and so those are mainly the games I've been playing. I actually just bought... Uh, I actually just bought The Walking Dead Season 2 on PS4. Oh, nice. Haven't even touched that yet. I got through Season 1 a long time ago. Yeah. That's the first game I played that made me cry. Oh yeah, well, it's one of the first games that made me cry. Absolutely, it was, was it was rough. I was I, like, I think it was like a little bitch. Yeah, season one, episode three, like just we, I lost like half my party, and I was just like, "What the? F-? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody died!" And I was just so sad. I was I was an emotional wreck by the end of that game. I was so sad. I was like, "All right, you know what? I think I can get through the rest of this at some point." I remember us talking about it. I texted you like, "Lee, yeah, exactly." <laughs> I'm not going to ruin anything for anyone who didn't play it, but I, I was crying like a little bitch by the end of that game. <laughs> <laughs> no so, judgment. No judgment at all. No judgment. We all, we all understand the struggles, the everyday struggles. <laughs> all right. And I'm going to go over here again. My podcast agenda is on my other screen. That's why I keep looking over, too. And so there's a bunch of games oh, okay. that have just released slash are just releasing. Uh. Skylander Trap Team. I don't know anything about it, but if people at home are interested in that, then it's there. It's available. Mm-hmm. Um, Project Spark. I haven't heard anything about... I don't know if it's actually released, release, or if people... It's out. I read a review about it, and it seems like a really fun game because it's just one of those games where it gives you control of making your own game. About right. it. It's it's think of like a little big planet what that did for a two dimensional space, but in uh, in Spark you can do that in a three dimensional space. Right, that's pretty dope. I've seen some pretty impressive stuff. I saw someone recreated PT in there. What? Um, little what? big planet. Yeah, like obviously it's not the same um, textures and things like that. It looks a little more like Project Spark esque, but it was the game PT like going through the door and it's like the same hall and all that. Oh, it was what? It was nice. I, I gotta was like, see that. Yeah. I gotta see that. That's yeah. nuts. Oh man. Um, going back to the agenda. Sorry. There is NBA, NBA Live 15. I don't know if you guys have seen or or even follow the NBA games, but I remember it was like one E3 ago. They were showing up NBA Live. They're like our biggest feature is that we have. Uh, the ball actually interacts with the player's hands. Yeah, the ball has its own physics. I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> this is what you're leading with? Like, Isn't this that is- when they uh, changed the name to Elite? Yeah. That, 
year. It was so bad. Uh, well, if you think about it, I mean, how much farther can you technically advance a basketball game? Right. I mean, th- there's things they're doing with, uh, I don't know, just running defenses, like, you know, just, what, what do they call them, screen passes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Being able to do uh, duck and rolls, all these different things. Yeah. And it's it's nice that they can give the ball its own physics, because that can lead to unpredictability after the ball's right. been shot, these kind of things. But otherwise, it's just another basketball game. Right. Right. They- like, you look at Madden, I mean, every year, it's just... A roster update with some physics updates and right, right. a couple new animations. The most that's changing with it seems to be the graphics, really. Oh, I'm not going to lie. They look undeniably gorgeous. Yeah. Like With how they're making the players look these days, and these sports games are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to wonder if it's uh, you know, disconcerting for you know these athletes when they see themselves in a video game. Like, holy... Like... It's just that's me. It's right there. Probably yeah. more so in basketball than it would be in Madden. Yeah. Well, even so, like when the players see their stats, it's like, damn. <laughs> do, do you think that some of the rookies ever get disappointed with how low they get put their ranked at, like, especially with some of their stats? So, like, what do you mean? I can only my shooting's at twenty five. That's terrible. I'm better than that. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> I imagine there's a big part of that. That's just like I, I, I can't stomach this. Like I'm the worst player in the NBA. Right. <laughs> there was there was a joke I remember I made uh, a while back when uh, Tim Tebow was I uh, actually drafted over to the Broncos, and uh, or no, excuse me, he was traded to the Broncos, and uh, I was thinking, well, what if they just make it to where all his his stats change in the fourth quarter to where it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> Because he always would do great in the fourth quarter, but he would be pretty lousy in the first three. Right. So if they had it to where everything just went up to 100, it would just be... I, I think that would be amazing. That would be fun. That would be really fun. Be realistic. Absolutely. Be realistic. Uh, the other games coming out... Maybe if it went to extra time, it would go one step beyond that. <laughs> uh, the Evil Within. Heard some pretty decent things about it. He's been pretty middle of the road, right? I've heard nothing but good things actually about it. I, uh, originally, I heard some people were kind of hesitant about it, but then once I got into the gameplay, they were like, "Wow, okay, this this feels a lot like old school Resident Evil, and how it didn't really feel as much action oriented as it did exploring and having to use my brain." Right. Yeah, I heard the puzzles are really intense. I haven't actually gotten to play it yet, so I will be soon. So I will be able to let you know nice. on that. Nice. It's a live stream on uh, PlayStation. I will undoubtedly do so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Lords of the Fallen, I actually was just talking about that not too long ago. And uh, I'll say this about Lords of the Fallen from my experience with it. I think it's very cool. It's a very Dark Souls, Demon Souls-esque type of experience. Um, what I don't like about it is that it's a little glitchy right now. Um, and so I was fighting a boss. And of course, you know, with, with the Souls games, you you die, you have to go get your soul back, etc., etc., same principle. I think they give you a multiplier. Uh, the more you like have at a time, they give you a multiplier and you get more souls per kill. Mm-hmm. So I'm stuck at this part where this boss, I get down to literally a sliver of health at the very end. And the boss battles take forever. I don't like that. Um, it's just like chip. It's like Destiny, just chipping away at a bar for like ever. Yeah. Um, and he, like he, the boss like stop, stops moving, and like he like looks at me, then like looks away, and like I'm still hitting him, like fucking him <laughs> up. And he just like, like I just die. Like I just it's like the game glitches and then I just die. I see my soul like escape me and like this happened twice. 
So he kills you with a malignant thought? Yeah, essentially. And like we we're both down That's to the awesome. point where we're both <laughs> we both have like no health left, so I'm like, alright, like this is the very last blow and like the thing about this boss battle is that like you, you fight him and then he puts like this protective shield around himself and then you have to fight his other like minions and like just like any Souls game, the minions can kill you in like four hits. Mm. But if you don't kill them fast enough, he takes his like shield thing off and attacks you while they're attacking you. Do you suffer a penalty when you die? Because I know in Dark Souls 2, I saw that uh, when you die, your maximum health becomes decreased. No, there's none of that. Oh, well, that's lovely. It is lovely. (laughs) But it's not lovely when it's not working right. Right. Doesn't sound fun. That boss fight. Yeah. And, like, I can't go further unless I do it. Right. (laughs) Have you tried hitting him more? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like I I might have tried that at some point. Um, Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm actually just farting on him every time I, I swing my sword. <laughs> well, it, it's undoubtedly better than the uh, whole three-tier progression system when it comes to, like, bots, fights that have been in the past. It's okay. This thing's going, or this is a vulnerable spot, and you have to go through three cycles before you beat a boss. I've seen that a lot in the industry lately. Technically, yeah. technically it is Is like there it. something different with uh, Demon Souls? That's good. Well, there's a three, there's a, I haven't actually played it at all, so I wouldn't be able to tell you, but if it's anything different than that whole three round progression system, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like a three round progression. It's like, um, like the first boss fight you fight, you fight this guy who's like just this giant sword, he's a giant demon. Um, you get him down to like tier two, he like, he, he takes off like a bit of his armor, so like he's faster now, so like he, he can come at you at a, at a much higher speed rate. And then it's like, third tier it's all within one same battle so it's like it's not like separate battles or anything like that he takes off his shield and like just goes like full force like swinging at you like the entire time so that's pretty huh. cool i like it if they change up their different attack patterns that's 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 yeah. pleasant i don't like it if it's just the recycled thing over and over yeah. again yeah it's boring that way exactly i'd tell you what wasn't boring the new uh after the update for uh destiny atheon yeah. vault of glass and hard mm-hmm that fight is just ridiculous now. <laughs> because they, they added in those baby bumpers to make it to where you can't cheese them off the edge anymore. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's, I, I think that's okay. I mean, a lot of people, there's been some controversy I've seen on the forums about how they change it to where now he will randomly teleport three people as opposed to just the three that were closest to him. Yeah. I'm okay with that, though, because that means this is supposed to be one of the games that they want to make like the hardest possible challenge for you that's still technically doable. Yeah. But. I was reading the on uh, hard mode. Stat- it's like impossible, though. Well, I won't lie. Like it took a good like four or five hours to get through, and that was with a group of people that knew what they were doing. Right. And uh, because there's no matchmaking in it, sometimes when I'm only the only person on, I'll have to go to uh, destinylfg.com mm. and uh, look for a group that way. But more often than not, people I found that have been doing that are actually pretty friendly. That's good. Mm. Yeah. That's good. And uh, I want to say that. It is dual. You can kill him. But everybody just needs to know everybody's roles. You yeah. know, it, the, the group is only as strong as, you know, the weakest member of it. Right. So if you're running off trying to be a lone wolf in that particular situation, it's going to be impossible because you need all six people to get through that fight. Right. Right. This is true. So we'll, uh, we'll blast through the rest of these unless you guys have some things you want to talk about so we can get to the other gaming news. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we got Vib Ribbon, Dreamfall Chapters, which I actually heard about before a while ago, and it looks pretty interesting. But I don't know, I don't know where we're at now in terms of like 
people's interest in that title. Um, Disney Fantasia, we talked about a little bit. Fucking awesome game. Uh, Rocksmith, 2014. Sunset Overdrive. And Freedom Wars. Oh, look at them. You guys are on Twitch. Shut up, Will. Making out on Twitch. You guys are gross. This is, this is life. This is the human experience right here. <laughs> Well, we're about to get a lot more human experience soon. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> what? I can't say I can't kiss my girlfriend before she leaves the house. No, no, allowed? no, no problem. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we're just letting the Twitch users know that things are about to get down. <laughs> well, this is going to be a rated PG podcast. I don't think you need to worry about that too much. <laughs> PG thirteen. There are a few swears in there. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> and um. Actually, Sunset Overdrive just came out, but I haven't heard any of my actual friends discussing it. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it. I don't have an Xbox, but I have been watching it kind of carefully on the internet. I've been watching a lot of gameplay video of it, and I'll be honest with you, it seems kind of wacky, crazy, ratchet and clank kind of combat, but it's... um, It doesn't seem like the gameplay itself and the way it has the locomotion system and... Pretty much, as long as you're not running on the ground, you're moving fast. It right. just it doesn't really, I don't know, it didn't jump out at me. It didn't seem like something I wanted to invest my money in. Mm-hmm. Especially since they're dropping the price now for the systems for Xbox One to 350 and then they have a bundle. I'm not aware if they have the bundle included in the $350 price or no. So they'll have the game and the console. Mm-hmm. But that'll be without the Kinect, right? That's the one Perfect without the Kinect? Yeah, so it's the one without the Kinect, and it is... Uh, yeah, I think the Sunset Overdrive without the Connect bundle is three fifty, and mm-hmm. like the Assassin's Creed Unity bundle is three fifty. But it also comes with the Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is mm. also interesting. So then you get two games. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You, you get um. There's what they're gonna have. It's uh, uh, what is it? The Call of Duty bundle as well. Then that's gonna have a uh, special console. It's designed for Call of Duty, but it's um, gonna have a one terabyte hard drive. Mm. Ooh, what am I gonna do with all that space? Right. The games, because <laughs> the games like each take up like fifty gigs. Yeah, some of them can be. A yeah, less. I've noticed that on my PlayStation, but um, yeah. I mean the thing about know, PlayStation though is that they install games so fast. You just like yeah. put it in, it's just like oh, okay. oh yeah, it, it'll it'll make you wait like a good like minute or two. It'll install like twenty percent of the game, just enough to get it running, and then it'll let you play. Right. With um, we were having that issue with the Xbox. The oh my day, god! It, it was like no, you can't play it until it's completely installed. So nah. Yeah, and, and so, it felt like the Xbox was just being childish about it. I'm like, well, well I want to play it now. I don't want to sit here and wait all day. Right, you're being childish, Xbox. You're being childish. Well, speaking yeah. of being childish, I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to release where you're always connected. You have to have a connect. You can't play any used games. Mm-hmm. What happened to that? That, that? They backtracked on all of. That. They had no choice. Every single thing of it. Yeah, they had to. They had no choice. I mean, the people, people. Well, yeah, um, yeah, last system. year. Yeah. The initial sales were like five to one in PlayStation's favor, yeah. and they made their money back on the entire R and D, the entire advertisement, everything within a month. Really? I think that's what I read. Yeah, they just they just started they make it. Like it's supposed to be the uh, highest selling new console yes. that's, that's ever been recorded. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly, and I'm just I'm kind of blown away by that too. It's like. Where we're in this generation where we can say that. And like people kept saying, no doom and gloom, you know, consoles are dead, no one's gonna be buying consoles and I don't know. If I'm not mistaken, I believe PCs are still outselling both. Yeah, but I was that's so. 
but that 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 makes sense. I mean, it's a PC; you can do more stuff with that. But um, I think I think I was having this conversation the other day with Andy, and he feels that this might be the last hardware generation we end up with. Mm-hmm. Actually, we talked about that during one of our last podcasts because they miss. Mm-hmm. I think I mean to be honest, that might be true, um, and because we're moving, we're moving towards it sounds corny saying this we're moving towards cloud computing to the point where like playstation now for example you can live you can stream your games that are fairly high resolution on oh, yeah. a ps a ps3 or yeah. you can do it on like a phone yeah i put it's they the way they have it they can do the playstation now or no no yeah they can do playstation now through any sony product like with their TV, with anything like that. So you can play Last of Us Remastered on a TV as long as you can sync up the uh, controller to it, right. as long as it's a Sony TV. You can play it on your Vita. You can play it just about anywhere you get an access to a screen. That's amazing. Right. I think that's awesome. I will say I've noticed that in my experience with PlayStation now that uh, some of the faster-paced action games, like I tried playing uh, Enslaved uh-huh. uh, Journey to the West. I've, I'd never gotten to play that game, and I streamed that through during the uh, trial phase. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I will say the graphics are great, but if the screen's moving around too much, you're going to get some pixelation. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that's just because it's streaming through the internet. It's right. not right. anything super huge, detrimental, where you can't see what's going on. Right. But it doesn't. It ends up staying. It ends up losing that 720p resolution, and you can kind of tell that. Uh, but 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 the response time is still amazing. It's fantastic. Really? I okay. mean, it's not one to one, but it's pretty close. I mean, when they say, to say that we can do that, though, like yeah, it, it's. You're playing a game that you don't even own that's not even right. in your house or running off any software or hardware that you have currently in there. Yeah. It's insane. And right. when they recommend that you plug it into the internet, you really should. I tried it over Wi-Fi. It was terrible. Yeah. Couldn't get to it. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, if you look at it, especially in the future, I mean, we may be moving more and more away from uh, hardware and just trying to do it with software to where the hardware you have will be able to play these games. Mm-hmm. Right on. Of course, we all know Nintendo's never going to jump on that bandwagon. Well, Nintendo's a different beast <laughs> altogether. <laughs> no. Different beast altogether. We'll, we'll talk about that, too. Ooh, there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. But for you guys at home who don't know about this, it, the Xbox One is available for the low price of $350. Um, first of all, about time. Uh, they need to do something oh, to yeah. really compete against the PlayStation. You can't put it at the same price as a PlayStation. You can't. Going to lose every time. Going to lose every time. So, Especially when you don't have the software to sell the system. Yeah. They do. They do like, have software at this point. They do have Forza. They do have Titanfall. They do have, you know, of course, exclusive content for Call of Duty, which we're all getting. Well, here's the thing with the, a lot of those games. They're on 360 as well. It's true. Every it's single true. one of them. Like they didn't advertise it at all. But Titanfall came out like two weeks later on 360 after the Xbox One release, and that's, that's true. you didn't need to buy a new console. And the gameplay is exactly the same. The resolution is a little bit lower, but that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. the only difference. What you need to set like. I think, which is cool, with uh, you know the bundles and everything. But two of those titles that they're bundling with, those are third-party games. Yep, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed. You what add the, in FIFA? The biggest thing I think coming out that's going to help maybe the system out, especially with the low price bundle. Somebody may get it for Call of Duty, and then oh hey, Halo comes out. I can play five Halo games like now with every multiplayer map, everything just right out the box. That's yeah. gonna that's gonna really boost sales with that system. I think. Yeah, I that think is so. a great deal. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I mean, remember yeah. Uh, Trinity Mark. You got a 360 originally to play Halo Four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Would you ever consider getting a Xbox One to get the Master Chief Collection? When I saw that reveal, I was like. That is enticing. 
We used to I play think, a lot of Halo. Yeah, because the only time I really played Halo was with you back mm-hmm. on the original Xbox with uh, Halo 2, the multiplayer, oh, which so was good. very fun. So it's like, I can play every Halo. Every- <laughs> with every map. <laughs> Everything. Just <laughs> like hyperventilating. Like that's right. like, that's like, I, I thought, I can't remember what, what it was exactly, but it's like over 100 maps yeah. to play Halo on. And if you have the Chief Collection sit down there and you have your friends like, hey, you, what do you guys want to play? You want to play Halo 3, Halo 2, Halo 4 tonight? What do you, what's on your minds? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Me the only thing I'm disappointed with. <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I would be, say that even close to be disappointing is that Halo Reach is not shipping with that bundle. Oh, okay. That is disappointing. Because I wanted to play Halo Reach. I, I, like, I read about it and like, read the kind of what happens throughout the entire journey at the end. I was just like, man, that's kind of like... That kind of hits home a little bit at the very end. Oh well, at the at the tagline for the game is at the beginning you already know the end, and after you get through the beginning character customization, you get to choose your helmet, your armor, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You get to see the first opening cutscene is a burned like a, a covenant glassed area where it just looks everything's just been completely melted down to glass, and you see your helmet that you just picked sticking out of the ground. Wow! And you're like, wait, what? Wow. <laughs> already dead? That's crazy. I just. Yeah, and then like the whole story plays through it, and like I'm not gonna lie, like as a swan song goes for Halo, that was a great job by Bungie. Like they they loved it. That's probably why a lot of people were disappointed with Destiny because the story in Reach, which is the last game they made, was so good mm. that things just got left out. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Um, and speaking of, I guess re-releases, GTA San Andreas released for Xbox 360 for some reason. I saw that. That was that. unexpected. They upgraded the textures. There's still a little bit of frame rate issue, but I mean, you have Grand Theft Auto Andreas was by far one of the most successful PlayStation 2 games ever released. Right. And, and, and they put that on Xbox 360. That's that's cool. But why now? Why now? On the 360? It's not like that's well, the thing that's flying off the shelves now. As I understand it, their anniversary was around that time. I think it was like a week and a half ago when they like put it out there and their anniversary was like people were talking about what are they going to do for it and stuff like that but I would expect something a little bigger than oh here's San Andreas for 360. Yeah. Well if you I mean if they're trying to put longevity onto the console like yeah. how many people were playing PlayStation through like halfway through last gen systems. Right. So like that was I think supposed to be the highest selling console that's been out there ever is PlayStation 2. Like there's there's one every pawn shop you go to. There's one just about in a lot of people's homes. I still know a lot of people that still play theirs. Mm-hmm. They still love those games. But uh I think if they're aiming for that sort of longevity, why would you just put this on 360? Why not give us, you know, the Master Chief collection on 360? I don't mind that. Yeah. Yeah. See that that would that would require too much. I don't mind playing with my juggling eight or nine discs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think they should have uh, put that on next gen, if anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's every opportunity that they could if they coded it. You know, just change the code up a little bit, make a uh, arcade title downloadable through uh, Xbox One or through PlayStation Network, or even like a collection of the PS2 GTAs. That would take a lot of time to play through now I think about yeah. it. Like, <laughs> it, imagine they took every Grand Theft Auto, put it into a collection, and just threw it at people. <laughs> <laughs> take you it. Know, you wouldn't, it, honestly, wouldn't need a new game for like that, for like half the year or, or more. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so, story about this. Um, for you guys listening on at home on iTunes, instead of watching for some reason, um, I went to a Halloween party yesterday, and on my way to the Halloween party, I went with a co-worker to her place uh, to meet her boyfriend and her children. And their children were adorable, and oh. one of them was dressed up as Elsa, the other was dressed up as um, Olaf. <laughs> and she wanted to get the little sticker thing on her, for her face, but they got two, and she was like, I don't want to use two, I only want to use one. And they were like, you want it? I was like, I guess I'll wear it at the party. <laughs> I didn't wear it at the party. Um, I should have, but now I'm wearing it on the podcast because the internet. <laughs> so. Okay. That's just, that's just the way it's going to go down. <laughs> And um, again, for you guys at home who don't know the deal, uh, I met Sam through our friend Andy, who's also been on the podcast uh, by New Prince. And uh, Extra Life managed throughout the entire span of it kind of existing throughout the year, uh, managed to pull in around $5 million for charity. Thanks to gamers like you, like me, like all of us. Awesome. And yeah, I'm really, really excited and proud to say that, you know, there are so many people who are willing to give, whether it's give their time or give their, their energy or give their voices, give their money uh, to, to help children around the U.S. I think it's a uh, I think it's really humbling to know that we're continuing to, I guess, push out some of that positive energy. Um, despite all this craziness going on with Gamergate and all the death threats and harassment. Oh, yeah. And we, we've talked about Gamergate a bunch of times before. We can uh, I'll let you guys, if you want to add to that in the guest topics, talk about that. Um, but, you know, I, I want to say from, from Team Lunique, from, from myself, you know, thank you to everyone who, who had a part in either watching or, or contributing or, or being a part of the, the live streaming action. It was very fun. Uh, very awesome. Do you know how much we ended up raising on our particular uh, stream? Nine on our stream. For our team, it was nine hundred eighteen dollars. Mm. So actually, that ain't I, bad. I it's going. It's, it still goes through the rest of the year, so we can still have people donate. Um, and I, I'm gonna. I'm leaving that link on Twitch for people to donate, so people can just go on and, and donate whenever they want. Um, but by the end of Saturday, we had about eight hundred sixty-three. Oh yeah, what did we start with that day? I, I don't think that we had anything. Like maybe thirty or forty bucks. <laughs> we had. We had a. I think we had a couple. We had like four hundred dollars before that day. We had around four hundred dollars. But we weren't we weren't even halfway at our, our mark because we were trying to raise a thousand, and mm-hmm. throughout that day we got to eight hundred sixty three. Like, that's nuts. I'm probably sure that was because of Pac Man Championship Edition. That <laughs> game was just insane. That it's game like wasn't somebody. Insane. It's like somebody gave Pac Man just like a big massive pile of crack, and he just stored it all and tried to do his best Sonic the Hedgehog impression just all over the place. It was nuts, and the soundtrack was amazing. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> we were all just dancing around. Having a good time with that. Twerking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was twerking. Yes. That was for the kids, though. That was that for the money. It was twerking for the children. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't that a slogan? Just like twerking for the children. You know, I think I think my next live stream that I do is just going to be called twerking for the children. We're going to have just a poll in the middle of the uh, room, and we're going to go for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get that email. Jay Blaze has just went live with twerking for the children. <laughs> 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 Make sure you like subscribe on Twitch to get the first <laughs> notification on that, guys. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash jblaze06. Yeah. I want to try to make it Black Oni 6, or Black Oni, but someone else already took that. 
Mm. Mm. That's is, the worst. Yeah, and like on Twitter, like someone else already took Black Oni, and like I looked at his profile, and he goes by Black Zeus. So I don't know what the fuck he did Black Oni for. <laughs> like I don't know. You could ask him for it back, maybe. I asked his sister because like she kept tagging me on stuff. I was like, I don't know who you are. Like, why do you keep doing that? She's like, oh, because <laughs> it's because of Twitter. Because I have Instagram is Black Oni, and, Insta- and and Twitter is Black Oni Six, and so it was it was automatically just tagging me. So I was like, would he be okay with like not using that? I mean, I have like a bit. I haven't approached him about it yet, but it is a business. It is like a trademarked business, right? I don't know what the rules and regulations are on that, though. Um, so you mentioned earlier, uh, Trinity Mar Blue, that Drive Club. You were playing Drive Club. You was having fun playing that, you know. Um, but it's still having issues with its connectivity and features. So I want to ask you, since you've had a personal experience with it, what has been the biggest like issue in general has it just been like getting on at all or has it been like like really bad connections or um i'll say initially the biggest issue would be obviously you boot up the game and just no connection to the online at all um it kind of felt rewarding when you'd be playing and it say connection to the online service has restored for like two minutes and then again no connection you know Uh... um but since it's been more stable the only problem has been for example, I try to play with a friend of mine, um, get into a race together. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend can join your session, and then you can, you know, go into whatever online event you want. And then, like any online game, you'd expect, you know, your friend to pop right up, you know, once the chat room, I mean, the um, online room's going. Right. But there'd be some times where he'd be in my session, but once the players are starting to load up, he's not there. And I'm like, uh, are you in the room? He's like, no, I'm, my car's still loading. I'm like, what? So there was that. Um, the last time we did it, it worked flawlessly. You know, he joined my session, and then once I went into event, he was in the event, so it was okay. Okay. Um, but then the only other issue has been, I haven't been playing it recently. Um, I think I played it a couple days ago. The only issue last time was going into an event, and once it would su- supposed to have loaded, it would say there was a problem with communicating with the server. It would just kick you out of a, a game session. So... Mostly, I think that's the only problem I've experienced. They still haven't unlocked challenges for you know, um, you to create a challenge and send it to a friend, things like that. That's still it's like supposed uh, to be like one of the biggest features right. of the game. Exactly. Um, and obviously, the PlayStation Plus edition. We just got word from Shuye yesterday that they're delaying that until further notice. So that must be very disappointing for people that were waiting to try it out first. You know. And I was one of those people. Like I was actually really excited about this game. Like. It seems I was like, as well, like, yeah, it seems like a really good marriage between like social interaction with people, yeah. you know, creating these organized clubs essentially, yeah. so that you can like have your own challenges in between each other and compete against other ones, and like right. you can do that on your own time or with people at the same time, and and you know the the visual aesthetics of that game were so so amazing, good. yeah, amazing. like they they spent a long time not just on the graphics themselves but also the art direction, and I was yeah. just really blown away by that. It definitely has its own style, like that you haven't seen before in a racing game. So, um, gameplay wise, like like you're saying, it looks fun. It is fun. It's a perfect kind of blend between, say, a Need for Speed and then a Gran Turismo. Like it has elements of both, you know. And you get that, and like you can't speed through a turn. You have to break through the turn, and then you yeah. can speed right back up, you know, on your way out of the turn, which is fun. It teaches you like you need to develop some type of driving skill, you know, yeah. to do well. Yeah, I didn't. 
I didn't learn that from burnout at all. No, yeah. no. no, I need to go through this corner as fast as I possibly can. Right. Worst case scenario, crash and it looks great. <laughs> exactly. I can't tell you how much time I wasted on Burnout Paradise. Like, oh, so I, uh, yeah. One of the best parts about that game is just being able to throw both shoulder buttons and then you're just tumbling down the street and just yeah. slamming into everything. It's 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 okay because you never see drivers or anything in the car, so it's really just cars on. Have at it. Just great. But I'm waiting for the rated end version just, of that. Just people flying out of. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's got to be a mod for that somewhere. I don't know if you've seen um, uh, what's that game called where it's all just about just physics and crash. And just, I, I can't remember. About. It was on Xbox. That's not my head. Or was it about something something different? Wow. Yeah, it was like really wrote. It's not. It was something where it's all just like a bunch of derby cars and you're just like going through like urban environments sometimes, but like half your car will fall off like by the time the race is almost over. It was, it was, that was a very virtually uh, satisfying experience as well. I can't remember the name of the game at the time, but um, just, I mean, looking for a new racing game. I was looking at Drive Club. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a PlayStation. Drive Club is going to be great. But I think with all these issues they're having, they're missing their window because it's very difficult to launch a new racing IP, especially with Feroza dominating the market as it is now, you need to have that window when there's not a Feroza game out there. And we're right. there's is there a new one out already now or is there uh, going to be Horizon one very soon? Yeah, it's it's basically the month before, yeah. Yeah, so if you need that, I mean it's a problem. Have the, yeah, it's like if your game doesn't work out of the bat, like, oh, I'll just go get Feroza, I guess, because, right. you know, so I'll get my money back for this and that. And you so, lose a lot of your market on that. The bad thing about it is Forza Horizon 2 came out, um, and its reviews are stellar from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. People have a lot of fun with that game. And the thing about Drive Club, uh, Sony released a trailer where um, I think VG247 had a comment like, Forza Killer. Yeah. And Sony was like, oh, we've got to put that in our uh, our advertisement for it. Shot and it's like, foot. before the game. Oh, and it doesn't work. Everybody's hyped. They're like, oh, they put in Forza Killer. That's crazy. Game comes out basically broken. The online's broken. And it's just like, got killed by poison <laughs> it's incredibly unfortunate i mean I'm, I'm sure like i'm sure sony execs like, are really pissed off about oh it's not don't even don't even think about them for a minute think about the developers of the game itself and how they got to feel right now this is something they've been working on for the last three four years of their life yeah, they've been right. really excited about it. and then just right out the gate it's like you build this awesome super sports car there's only one time in the world right you drive it right outside the parking lot. Next thing you know, like a semi just plows right through it. And you're just sitting there trying to pick up the pieces after you go. And you know it's never going to be as good as you made it originally. Because just of that. impression-wise, it's just mm-hmm. like... Yeah. The first thing and that happens as soon as you leave that garage. Yeah, that's... And you need and you need that that initial push of advertising where people are playing this game and like oh yeah it's a lot of fun get, get it get it like word is that all mouth starts yeah. circulating yep and now the only real word of mouth they're getting is negative it oh work. it doesn't work yeah you can play it but you can't play it online with your friends right it's cool I guess and then the people who had PlayStation Plus are like oh cool I, I can just pick it up for free try it off like I'll buy the first version we, that's not even there for us mm-hmm. it's not there the app's not up because. They don't. They don't want to release the app if it's still having problems. Oh so. yeah, the app probably has problems. The app doesn't even. Oh. It's just so many things, and I feel bad for Evolution because they made Motorstorm. Motorstorm. Everybody loves Motorstorm. Motorstorm was awesome. Motorstorm was awesome. It was just crazy. Yeah, it was high octane, just nuts. 
So it's not and, like they had like necessarily something to prove. They made great games, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, here comes like another potential great one, and it's just like not the reception they were hoping for. Nope. Is this is this going to be the year of that? I mean, we've already had two very high profile developers met with initial harsh criticism of their games. Like Bungie, mm-hmm. yeah, put out their game, and then uh, Evolu- uh, Evolution just put out theirs. Yep. And now, even with today, the yesterday, the Evolve Big Alpha that was up, and that's delayed on PlayStation Four now because they were yeah. having some uh, network issues. And 2.0, as yeah. an alpha for you know, if you're having a netcode issue already, or the game doesn't even work. That's 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 a problem. The biggest but, problem with that is that Evolve has been a thing for a very long time. Like people have been playing it already at events. Like I went to PAX East and like I was almost able to play it because like I was I was interviewing uh, Josh uh, and he was like, "Yeah, let's try to get you in line," but it was the end of the day, so like I had to actually leave. But like they had the, they have the game up and running. It's not like it doesn't work at all. But the fact that it did get delayed is just like I feel like this delay after delay after disappointment after disappointment after. You know, hiccup, hiccup. I mean, right. it's eventually, it's got to catch up at some point, you know? It's oh, just, yeah, we will. I mean, we'll get, you know, Capcom will pull the stick out of their butt. They'll make yeah. a good Mega Man game for us, <laughs> and things will start working up from there. But I mean, in terms of, like, people's frustration with, with Sony, though, like, I think I think that will... Well, you know, I, I, I get that. But from what I've seen, it's so far, it's not just Sony's fault. It's really just the software. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at... How heavily they uh, Activision pushed uh, for Destiny to be the you know uh, the better experience on PlayStation, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna lie, the game is fun. It's yeah. still fun. Yeah. yeah, it's good. There's nothing wrong with the game itself, other than the fact that it's missing. Just that there's this weird, very vague, limited storytelling, and we can, yeah. I can get more into that later if you want. I mean, oh, yeah. or even right now, if you look at. Marty O'Donnell, their lead composer, the guy who's been there forever, who made you know the music in Halo was one of the reasons I played Halo so much because so I loved good. it. Love that. It just set the atmosphere. With uh, Destiny, he left like right after pretty much his work was done. Uh, there was some really shady issues there, and Joe Staten, their creative director, the guy who's pretty much behind their story, he left about a year before the game released to work at Microsoft, and I they say it was like on good creative. terms. They said it was on good terms, but they said there were some creative uh, decisions that they didn't agree with. And you look at it now, I mean, the, the game, If let's, let's look at the positives to the game. The art direction, amazing. Mm-hmm. Incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. One of the prettiest games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the sound design. So visceral. So, oh, yeah. So like, well I, I read something on there, and they said yeah. about 97% of the sounds were all made in-house. You hire... Paul McCartney to do the end theme credit song to do with that with the Mario Donnell, mm-hmm. and then you have all these amazing elements. The gameplay is solid. The user i the the user interface is fantastic. It's great. The progression system that's all fantastic. But then just the one thing, the meat, the story. It's just kind it feels like yeah. it feels like it got ripped out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and people are saying uh, like there's I've been looking uh, following it on the forums for uh, Bungie.net. And there are people like, oh, we don't want to pay for the DLC to give us a story. But the DLC that's coming up, like Dark Below and the House of Wolves, those aren't giving you supplemental story for the game. If you look at the development stuff, it gives you story to build up for those strikes and those raids. Right. But we're not going to get the story, I think, for at least a while. Yeah, if at all. It's narrative. But, I mean, if you put it in perspective, a lot of MMOs, like especially since it's supposed to be a shooter, shared world, that 
kind of style gameplay. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them have had rocky starts, mm-hmm. and they got better over time. And they have planned ten year support for this game. Mm-hmm. That is where the five hundred million dollar estimate came from. It wasn't just all put into marketing and development right off the front. A lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, right. but this is this is how much they set aside to make this game and to make it work over the long haul because as far as we've seen they're not doing any microtransactions they're not doing like things like other MMOs do there's no in-game currency you can buy mm-hmm. and there's not really much else you can buy other than the DLC right. but the fact that they made that initial investment back in like the first day right yeah, just they, sales alone that's huge they broke some major records especially yeah for I mean like look the story yeah the story in my opinion like as a guy who enjoys story in the video game it's lacking yeah, it's, it's atrocious. But is the game still fun? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. like so many people are hating on it, but we're still playing it. Yeah, we're still we're yeah. stuck to it. It's like we're in an abusive relationship where we know that they're bad for us, but we just can't leave. <laughs> and I, I think the other thing you would want to look at just at it is that a lot of people are kind of being like the the minority, especially in these days, are the ones that are being you know critical and. These days on the internet, if you can pull up the internet browser, you can have a voice and all of a sudden your voice is heard. So a lot of the negative criticism people put out there isn't necessarily indicative of the actual people that I encounter when I'm playing the game. Because like, we're making a pickup group for a raid, which is the hardest thing in the game. And everybody being generally happy to be there and enjoying themselves and not mm-hmm. complaining. That's incredible for a game that I've seen. Especially right. without the in-game matchmaking for raids. Right. But I mean, let's face it, if you ended up doing... That's another feature that a lot of people wanted to put in the raid matchmaking. Yes. If, uh, well, let's face it, do you really want to end up getting stuck with like a group of like four 13 year olds for four hours, five hours at a time? I mean, you can always leave. <laughs> yeah, always but then you got to do the process over again. I mean, it's, it's easier. I, I think it's honestly easier on left group because you find people who are like minded that want to get through it, that want to do it, that have done it before. I would right. say it should be an included like feature within the game itself to be able to do that. Well, I think that if they... Like, it doesn't have to be it, matchmaking. It, it can still be that chat room kind of... It would be simplest, I think, for Bungie to develop it, just to put it on their actual ser- on their actual website. Yeah. Like, you know how, like, LFG, they just pulled in a separate segment for that. And then, let's say with the click of a button, if you've got your PlayStation activated, to where you can join that session. Mm-hmm. That would be easy, I think. That, that would that, be I mean, awesome. As opposed to them having to make a whole new UI and code all that stuff into the game itself, just make it to where, okay, we do all this work, you push the button, your character gets sent there. Mm -hmm. It would probably be easier from a developmental standpoint. Even though I know nothing about coding, it sounds like a lot less work to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, And that was a a very good kind of segue into into that because I actually did want to talk about Activision a little bit. In relation to a, a, a contract deal that they have set up uh, in relation to Metacritic, uh, so Activision set up a deal in their contract for bonuses for achieving a high Metacritic score on Destiny. And John Bain, Total Biscuit, you've known from um, from the Game Station or now their Polaris podcast, um, chimes in about that whole scenario, especially with like uh, Shadow of Mordor as well. How they they had very specific. Uh, deals in the NDA and contract that you had to like give it a certain level of, ex- of positive exposure before you were allowed to review it like <clears throat> I think a lot of problems that we have within the industry stem from this Metacritic like 
that that again goes back to what I said earlier, where anybody who has access to the internet can now have their voice heard. And mm-hmm. On these days on the internet, especially with sites like Metacritic, even look at movies with Rotten Tomatoes, where if you have the ability to type something in, you can affect how that game is received by other people, mm-hmm. even if you're right or wrong or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put up a review that says this game's bad, and now next thing you know, that's just drop their Metacritic score based on averages. Right. With uh, with the bonuses, I said, I mean, every let's face it, I mean, who would expect Bungie not to get high Metacritic scores? But right. now, if they want to meet that bonus, it's like a two hundred fifty million. It's like a two point five million dollar bonus, right? It's in in terms of what the actual studio pulls in, it's not much. But I mean, especially if they divide. Yeah, but if they divide it up among their employees, yeah, it's a nice bonus for their paychecks. I mean, it'd be nice for them, but they're still already making plenty of money as it is. Mm. Uh, like, I guarantee you nobody in is struggling financially. Right? right. Not one of them. But, uh, you would think not. We, well, we, we'll hope not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Marty, if you're listening, I'll hire you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just want a couple lullabies to put me to sleep. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> But uh, with, I mean, what's their Metacritic score right now? They would need like a couple hundred out of hundreds just yeah. to bump that, like a substantial amount. And let's face it, that's not going to happen now. No, it's not. So they're not getting that bonus. But as as far as business practices go, I think that's a healthy thing. Because let's face it, like if you're in sales or something like that, you set a bonus where if you make our company this and this much money, we give you a little bit more. What's that? It's out of 76. Yeah, it's going to need a lot of hundreds to breach that. It was what, supposed to be a 90? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's not an, un- an unheard of business practice and other things just to shell out bonuses for better performance. Right. But so, if you're measuring the performance based off of a system like this, then it's like... That's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Like It's completely user-generated. It's not professional. I mean, well, it I mean, is they have a the site score, itself. And they is have like a meta score, which is like the publications, like the bigger yeah. publications, you know. And right. the the I mean, the issue overall is that like stuff like that will depend on people's own perceptions or opinions about the game. Like essentially, what these reviews are are opinions from one gamer about mm. the game. So like, yeah. wh- how how can you put the weight of that impact on? You know the performance. The performance is speaking for itself. It's like it's broken records. It's selling like billions essentially at this point. Like well, that could be a good measure of success. It's selling like a crap ton of copies. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, like I, I won't lie. Like that was the original reason I wanted to get my hands on a PlayStation Four, like mm-hmm. Destiny. I was like, I was all about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a necessarily unhealthy practice. I think yeah, sure, maybe. I mean, if they look, just take the professional. Rating scores off of Metacritic and average those, that's probably okay. But if you're taking all of them, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. Right. Because you have, as far as, I'm, I'm very limited with my understanding how Metacritic works, but you have your professional category and then you have your user-generated reviews. Mm-hmm. So you get your industry reviews and you get your consumer reviews. But they keep them split. So the yeah. Metacritic that you see, I believe, is all based off of, it says based off of 93 critics. So it's based off of uh, very specific, like, um, I think you have to you have to have a certain standard set on your site in order to be uh, considered a, a larger publication. So, mm-hmm. like they have their own thing, and that is the Metacritic like overall score. And then to the right of that, they have the user score, which is at a six point four right now. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be unfortunate because they're not going to hit. It. No, they're not. 
Christmas because of that, uh, just with how the ratings are. But yeah, with you're absolutely right with the sales. It's been absurd. Mm-hmm. The the hype machine that was following this was just undomitable. You had Activision's marketing with their experience of like eight or nine Call of Duty titles. You've got yeah. Bungie who made first-person shooters what they are today on consoles. Everybody was like, oh, no, you can't get it to work with a console. You can't do that. It's, it, right. it's not, not right. But then their control worked. Just the Halo 1 was just out the box, flawless, great. Mm-hmm. Changed mm-hmm. that whole experience. Mm-hmm. Like, we wouldn't have Call of Duty if it wasn't for Halo, at least right. not in the same way we'd have it right now. Right. We wouldn't have just about any of the first-person shooter genre as it is today. Uh-oh. What do you say? But, uh, kill zone. Kill zone. There you go. Kill zone. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like the conversely, like the other effect of that is that like, um, I had this discussion with a couple of people actually about Bayonetta two, and there was a reviewer I think on Polygon. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was Polygon that had a problem with the way Bayonetta was portrayed as a female character. <laughs> and that was literally the only negative thing they said about I mean there's a lot of things I can say about that but that was the only negative thing they said about the game they gave it a 74 out of 100 I, I think that's yeah that's you're absolutely right that is that is odd because you're looking at it as Japanese culture and how they portray their women especially in video games over sexualized mm-hmm. and then you have your main character being just you know like this whole like school teacher but like which kind of thing with the glasses all that kind of stuff that's just that's just their culture that's that's how that works that's the if you ever watch an anime that they anime, to go for. You, you'll see how this is yeah yeah and, and, and uh, the, the problem i have with that though is that like people were saying that people were upset that they mentioned that in the review i was like no that's not why people are upset about the review score they're upset about it because if you look across the board at bayonetta Almost every other outlet, any other publication, have given the game 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 8 out of 10 at the least. And if they had something bad to say, it was about design decisions on the actual game itself. Mm-hmm. This person's negative reaction to it was based on the over-sexualization of the character versus, and like how that affects the score of the game. Like, And we come full circle back to Gamergate. Exactly. And I, my, my theory... And actually, uh, John Bain, Total Biscuit, actually talked about this during this this talk that he had, an like, interview that he had. If we if we remove the obstacle of this score, there would be a lot less incentive to have that be part of the argument against women in general or or against anybody in general. Like if you can if you can go through the review and talk about the things you like and don't like and kind of have that be like an over encompassing thing. Like I'm seeing a lot of other publications now adopting that thing. So like Rev3 Games, for example, got rid of their their five star uh, structure for that very reason that people were focusing too much on the scores instead of the words themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I actually if like I it's it's working. Like people are looking at what they're saying. They're like, all right, I see that the character is sexualized, but like I also see that the game is like flawless. <laughs> like. Taking that uh, takeaway versus uh, taking a takeaway that the game's a seventy-four out of hundred. Like, if someone told me to, you know, this game that's a six out of ten is actually really good, I'd be like, fuck out right. of here. <laughs> well, also you think about it. I mean, just that kind of character portrayal. You have this game on the Wii U, right? Which you look at it. This game, this system is entirely focused more on like the family kind of stuff, the happy-go-lucky stuff. You got Mario. You got you know. You got Donkey Kong, all these kind of these normal, happy little fun games. Then you have this sexed up combat full game that's all just like, it pops up out of nowhere. And 
it, it doesn't really mesh in a lot, and that might be again be part of it. But when we look back at what I just said, and when it says back at where we look at Nintendo, like that's where they are with their console in the market now, mm-hmm. because they're gearing for family friendly stuff. They're gearing for either not mature rated titles. Mm-hmm. Like I can think of, only, I can't, I can really only think of two Wii U games that are mature rated. That's like Watch Dogs and uh, Bayonetta. That's the only two that I can think of. Is that uh, what was uh, that? Zombie U. Yep. Zombie U. Oh, was that one mature as well? Okay. I think. No. I, I assume there was a little blood and stuff in it. <laughs> well, it is a zombie game. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. But, um, it's just. I can relate to what he says because, like, part of us, you know, we want to expand our, you know, thing as a gaming part of culture, and that we're not, you know, these. Little kids who think you know girls shouldn't play video games and girls just should be sexual objects and that kind of stuff. It's a very immature you know portrayal of mm-hmm. you know what gamers are, and I think that's hurt some of the image of it for a lot of people when like you go out and tell like a stranger, oh yeah, I play video games. Like they put yeah. you into that stereotype, like oh they'll yeah. think you're a closed-minded individual, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They'll think of Call of Duty. They'll think of a screaming thirteen-year-old kid throwing a controller at a TV, that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. that for me. That's not what games about. Right, right. and. Uh, I think that if Gamergate has done anything, it's brought more of an awareness to that fact that we need to change that image of ourselves mm-hmm. as you know, just being part of gaming culture. Mm-hmm. Because w- this is becoming more recognized as an actual entertainment medium. Mm-hmm. You've got games like The Last of Us that are better than most movies I've seen in the last 10 years. Yep. Yeah. Story-wise, presentation-wise, acting-wise. It's, it's, they're, they're becoming incredible forms of art. Mm-hmm. The redeeming thing, I read this actually off a comedian. I can't remember his name, but he brought this up. The video games are the only form of media that if you're not good at it, it denies you the rest of it. Uh, it's not like, uh, if yeah. you think about it, like you're listening to your new, like some new uh, music, right? right? You just picked it up. It's like uh, you're listening to a new Maroon 5 album. You get like halfway through and then the music stops and there's a voice that comes on. Okay, now you have to dance for me. <laughs> and if I don't think that you can dance good enough, you don't get to hear the rest of the song. Right. And games are like the only kind of thing that'll do that for you mm-hmm. because it, there's a satisfaction not just in watching it but even part of it you have to you have to physically with your hands move the story forward because it doesn't just play itself mm-hmm. and that's I think what got a lot of us hooked into these kind of games because mm-hmm. it's an evolving experience that we have more or less absolute control over how well we do if we continue through the story or these things like that. Unless the game's uh, pitching on you. Yeah, unless that's <laughs> happening. Unless you're playing Drive Club and then you can't, you know, <laughs> but, there, but if you look at it, like even with what Call of Duty did uh, to where it became more multiplayer focused, these games, like, if you're not good, you don't get if you if you don't yeah if you don't if you can't get through a Call of Duty match and you can't stand dying like seven or eight times in a, in a in a game really fast, it's uh, it's not a very enjoyable experience. Like for me, I haven't played Call of Duty as much because in these tight little areas that they've been packing us into, it just felt like whack a mole with guns, and I sort of lost interest with that after a while. But I think when you look at these new things like with Advanced Warfighter, mm-hmm. uh, how you've given. You know, with these new abilities that let them traverse longer distances in about just as fast mm-hmm. a time, it's going to make the game a little bit more feel like less a confined little brawler arena mm-hmm. to where, okay, now, like, for instance, a Battlefield. Mm-hmm. You have the option of going up the gut 
or you have the option of going the long way around and then making them all look like idiots and just murdering them all from behind. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty, you haven't really had that opportunity. And now with these things, like even looking at the jetpack, you have more three-dimensional range of movement. Mm-hmm. It can open up new maneuvering options. It can open up... Verticality new- is no longer yeah. an obstacle. It's an option. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even now, if, like, if you look at Titanfall, like without verticality, if you can't play a three-dimensional game in Titanfall, you're going to get murdered a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I've had friends who tried playing that because they, they enjoyed Call of Duty and they put it down. Like oh, I just couldn't handle you know people getting at me from up, down, below the wall running. I couldn't keep up with that. Mm. And uh, but yeah, I think I think to your point that like diversity amongst games is really important, but it's also like mm-hmm. important to recognize that like Bayonetta, for example, is an, a, a version of a female portrayal that's like an extreme like sexualized version of the character, but oh, it's yeah. very self aware of that. It's the whole mm-hmm. idea. And then you have characters like Ellie or Tess from Last of Us that are also a portrayal of women. Like, I think the diversity and the range of that is is okay to have in games. And right, absolutely, I think that's absolutely necessary too. Yeah. If you don't have that, and every game just ends up being like exactly the same Call of Duty, like there's no point because then you're just playing this with a different spinner or a different bell on it. And uh, if you look at games that like took. Because if you look at Titanfall, it's a natural progression of what Call of Duty is. Mm-hmm. You go from, you start off, let's say, you go from regular old shooters like Wolfenstein. You jump to Halo, where all of a sudden, okay, now you're moving a little bit faster. You got different weaponries, different type like that, and that's cool. Then you build that next with Call of Duty, where you get all that plus faster place. Plus, you add on perks, uh, you do different things, and then every game, like just about every game, now has some sort of perk integration. Like that has like Destiny has it. I mean, uh, Titanfall has it. New Call of Duty is going to have it. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things let you customize how you play the game, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be more of what you see in the future of games coming forward because people don't want to just enjoy experience; they want to make it feel like it's their own. Mm-hmm. And being able to play it in those own ways gives you that opportunity. Definitely. But back to your topic at hand with the ever-sexualization of it, I would say that if you are a if it's targeted for you know let's say the whole m rating on it mature audiences mature needs to be you know mature you need to be able to handle that kind of stuff you need to be able to see that bayonetta this is a character coming from a japanese like culture that whole game is built in like as i'm not mistaken it's from a japanese developer yep and it's uh that's just how they are we have to accept that like yeah the, they have we have japanese culture we have western culture i mean it's just there's differences there, mm-hmm. and you have to be mature enough to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Should you be offended if she's you know over sexualized? You can be if you want. That's totally cool. Right. But I, should you say that the game is terrible because of that? No, I don't think you should put that up there necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think that if you you can say it, but I don't think you should put that into your overall score. Right, right, right. and that's where a lot of the the issue was with with people's reaction to that very thing so again you know i i hate to i hate to make it sound like you know it's all about the score but like that that's that's part of it you know if the score didn't exist and it was only about the context of the words a wrap-up summary at the very end right people would not be making a big deal out of that like they'd be okay here's my score of the game here's how it is Here's and then you have a separate query, uh, category. Here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Mm. That's going. That's kind of cool. Uh, and then uh, I mean, even if you look at the new Metal Gear Solid, you've got that chick I just sniper. Sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, like that. You're, just, you're watching this game, then all of a sudden, this chick who's wearing like I don't know a freaking speedo that Borat wore, <laughs> and just with a massive sniper rifle, you're like, okay, this, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to my Western brain. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, but to, to, two things about that. One, we don't <laughs> we don't know anything about the character outside of the fact that she's wearing a bikini and she's wearing. But we know we know that she has the ability to turn invisible, kind of, and she can move really fucking fast. I don't know if you saw the newest gameplay thing. I don't want to ruin anything for anyone, but she uh, she she has like superhuman abilities. She can like uh, move really fast. She can cloak herself, um, and she needs to stay mobile. I mean, that's pretty much the only the only things that we really know about the character. And people are really quick to like call call Kojima sexist or say Metal Gear as a franchise is, is sexist or the character is sexist, but like Have you, you looked know, at all the leather psychomantis is wearing? <laughs> that you got <laughs> you got Snake in every Metal Gear Solid game, um, shirtless at least. Um you have Raiden, who's literally naked throughout a large portion of Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> yeah. you, have, uh, you have Vamp, who's literally like a sexualization embodiment of like a, flam- like a, a gay guy, basically. And like, you know, I, it's really hard for me to like fight for the side of saying quite as sexist when I know that much about the franchise and knowing that much like ca- different characters are portrayed in so many different ways. Like. Right. Like I know, I know. There's more to to quiet than people are just like, oh, she's just a walking set of boobs with a sniper well, yeah. rifle. There's always I would, I would yeah. No, go ahead, sorry. There's always more to uh, MG, every MGS character than what they look mm-hmm. like. So can't just can't just assume based off of what you see. Right. I noticed. Um, if you look at Metal Gear as a franchise, and then you take that culture, and then you look at just about any anime, I want to make a, a, a relation. If like Gurren Lagon, for instance, mm-hmm. you have all of those different kind of archetype characters. You have your overly gay stereotype character. You have your overly sexualized female character with a bikini with a sniper rifle. It's just it's just yeah. what their culture does. It's for their character types. I mean, even in America, like strong men are always protected as these huge muscle bound triangular shaped bodies. I mean, right. even if you look at Superman, he's got. That little red underwear over his uh, shorts, yeah. that was from, you know, old Circus Strongman from back in the day. That's just right. what those archetypes fit for those clothes. And for, I guess, for their, you know, in Japan, like, I don't know too much about their culture other than that's just what I've seen from these things. These are the norms for them, for these sort of entertainment opportunities, these uh, entertainment venues. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's how there is with us. And we just need to recognize that, I think, you know, as the mature rated gamers who should be playing these games, cough. <laughs> <laughs> that it's that's just how these these things are. Uh, it, it all rolls back again just to this whole depiction of women in the media for you know for video games, how their characters are portrayed. Like even even take a staple like Samus Aran, right? Always been the strong silent type, always. Which, which, and then Nintendo, character? Samus Aran. Okay, yeah, yeah, for Metroid. Yeah, yeah. And then you take what Nintendo put out with Metroid Other M. They made her character almost completely dependent on the male character that was mm. like a that was like a, her captain or something like that. I play that. And go on. It's actually not, it's not a bad game. It's just they change her character in a way that takes her from being the strong female to where it shows you more of her insecurities and where she doesn't have the strongest presence. Now, don't get me wrong; she still kicks a ton of ass. Mm. Like just. Because they had a, the team from Ninja Gaiden working on that game too, so it's a fun okay. game to play. Okay. Yeah. 
like there's a there's like first person elements that are sort of like Metroid Prime. There's uh, those third person action games. It still has that side scroller kind of quality to it. And then okay. there's these little these a ton of crazy action moves that she'll do that will definitely show you Team Ninja's involvement. To where she'll do a backflip, land on this alien's face, and just like put her uh, arm cannon down in its mouth and just blast it. Nice. That kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a very visceral experience. But then when you snap back from all that ass kicking to this girl that doesn't really seem to fit that character anymore, <laughs> it's it's something I think that we need more stronger. Like you know, I'm going to say that I think Bayonetta is a really good example of what we need to do more with the video games because you have a female character. Yes, she's sexualized, but she's not weak in she character. She is so strong, like ridiculously. Yeah, her character, like just her portrayal of her character, she's confident. She's cool. She kicks a ton of ass. I think that's more of she's what we would need to on see. Anyone? No. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's like I'd put her. I, I'd say that she could probably take Dante from Devil May Cry. She with could. The, she the, totally just could. The nonsense she does, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you have. You've given her just the strength. You've given her the strength of character. That's something we need to see more of in those like things. We we need to see less of females in video games as supporting helpless. characters, yeah. and more as main characters. Yep. Right to yep. where, yeah. I think that, and I think moving forward, yes, there's plenty of opportunity for that. Yep. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping too. I'm really, really hoping because the games that it's done really well, character development wise, you have the boss Metal Gear Solid. The, essentially, the entire story revolves around her and her legacy and her involvement in in everything. You have uh, Nariko from Heavenly Sword, one of my favorite games of all time. You know, another really good example of someone who's like she's sexy, but she's not like sexualized. But she's like mm. insanely powerful, and like people rely on her. Like there, there are a few examples that I think of when it comes to, like, women in gaming that I'm just like, yeah, like, I, I need more of this in my life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And again, just being the few examples, we need it to be, like, a we need, I think what would do gaming thing, you take a character like Master Chief, mm. right? You so give him... At first, he had no personality. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. But you, can, but, but you can do that with a female character, too, and then you can build this monolithic I am the character kind of uh, personality that's what they built with Master Chief because they made him a strong silent type so when you're playing it you just feel like you're the one you know in control of that and the story revolves around you mm-hmm. I think even I, it, it actually you know it's a good example of a, another strong character Miranda Keys from Halo because okay. I can't think yeah. of a single instance where she was a hindrance to the plot where she was like the damsel in distress these kind of things mm-hmm. where she wasn't in control of her own situation Right, and, right. She, and that was a huge part of the driving force for that series. Was that one of the supporting characters? You got Shadow from uh, Resident Evil Five. Yeah, yeah. I, we, I played that. I remember I played that with my buddy Matt when we when it first came out. We went through twelve hours of that game sitting through. Yeah, and there wasn't a single moment where her character felt like she needed to be rescued. It's not like uh, the president's daughter from Resident Evil Four, where she's yeah. just so annoying, constantly needing like, to be rescued. And it's like every five minutes. It drove me nuts. It was worse than Navi from Ocarina of Time. Terrible. <laughs> and uh, But like, if we get to where we can move these characters, I, again, just from positions of supporting characters to where they're the lead, I think that'll change a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do want to move on to uh, the last few topics. Um, before we do that, were there any other guest topics aside from what we talked about? Not necessarily a topic, but fun fact that I just learned yesterday. Uh, my girlfriend, her name is Yane Dandridge, right? 
Mm-hmm. So she started telling me about her cousin, uh, Merle Dandridge. And we were going through her, uh, her portfolio reel, her website. And she's the voice actor for Alex Vance from Half-Life 2. And, and Marlene from The Last of Us. Half-Life 3 confirmed. <laughs> Wait, so your girl's cousin? That's awesome. Yes. yes. That's so cool, man. I what? Was like, what? What? You gotta get her to call your friends and leave voicemails. Right. Just as the characters. First of all, let me just say this. Marlene's voice acting was phenomenal. Amazing. Mm. Phenomenal. And that's another really good example of a female character. I mean, I can't I don't want to keep referring to Last of Us because like all their characters are amazing, but like mm. Yeah, we need to get her on the podcast. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, that would yeah. be awesome. Yes. Well, again, if we're taking Last of Us, you look at Ellie. Even this is a girl that's like fourteen, fifteen years old, right? In the series, and she's not sexualized. She's a very, very strong character. Right. Her development, you actually get to see her, and you actually kill people in pretty visceral ways with her. And like, I think that people need to look towards that and say, okay, this is this is a female character done right. Yeah, look at the good examples and the bad examples. You can't just have it be one side of the narrative, you know? You gotta you gotta take it needs to be more balanced, but you have to acknowledge at least that at least all... acknowledge, yeah. Yeah. Ah. So that is that's fucking awesome. Yeah, craziness. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get we'll have so to get in touch with her and get her on a podcast. Like, hey, listen. Do I say congratulations, I think? I think so. I think so. Yeah, tell I mean, about so... everyone from the Black Money Podcast says congrats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So you, you can let us know when we get Half Life Three going, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we all want that. We've wanted that forever. For a long time. I think I saw that there's this. Uh, there was a Kickstarter campaign for uh, Half Life Three advertising that they would just sell all around um, Valve Studio, like the whole city, where it's like we want it, and it's just like a logo on the side of a truck. It just says like the Half Life logo, and it's got three in it. We yeah. want it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So I wanted to ask you guys, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to talk about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Do you think Sony is, is slipping overall in terms of its public perception? Uh, you know, Will the lackluster acclaim on its more prominent games of the year heavily detriment it moving forward and give Nintendo or Microsoft an edge, especially now with this recent price drop on Microsoft's console? I have an opinion on that. I think, I think it's a little early in terms of widespread reception to say that they're slipping Hmm. i think it's a little early for that obviously with things like drive club i think it's more of you would say like a hiccup in their momentum that they have right now Hmm. i think in terms of the general consumer i think the ps4 sales momentum is still gonna be what it is you know Hmm. especially being that this is like year one i wanted to say earlier when we were talking about um like you were saying it's disappointing with games like drive club and how i guess you say destiny was received by some people i think it's disappointing too Yep, infamous. Watchdogs. Watchdogs. Ugh. <laughs> I think it's disappointing for people being that this is year one and we're kind of expecting kind of a couple games that just like wow us, especially, you know, with next gen. Right. But I think at the same time, I think in my opinion, it is, it is still a little bit early mm-hmm. to say things like is Sony slipping? I think the momentum is going to continue in terms of sales. But I think that conversation can more be had, I guess, when... At the top of 2015, when we see things like The Order come out and games like that, I think we'll see, after we see how those are received, like, is Sony slipping or not? Once, mm-hmm. like, things really get going in terms of next-gen, like, hitting its stride, starting to hit its stride, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely on that. I mean, if you think about it as well, the 
the thing is Destiny, that's still a third party game. Yeah. That's not Sony. Yeah. Like this is this is a game that's on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, PlayStation 4, Xbox exactly. One. But it is and heavily promoted on PlayStation. Yeah, they, Watch but, Dogs, so they like yeah. pair pair. And it, again with that it's it's really I would say that it's difficult to call. I, I mean, I agree with Darius' comment completely. It's difficult to say that they're slipping when they're just so dominant in the market right now for home console sales for this stuff. Like, if you're buying a third party game, it's usually going to a PlayStation 4. And uh, it's just, even when looking at it in the long run, I mean, with the hardware specs as they are, the PlayStation 4 is still going to outclock the Xbox One. And that's going to be more evident, I think, later in our console cycle. Mm-hmm. So. So it's just, if you look at it as them slipping, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree. Okay. I think that if you noticed how much that Microsoft has had to do to get their console in your hands, they had to remove three key features that they were trying to sell at launch. They've had to drop the price three times. Like they no, I know twice. Excuse me. I think it's twice. I think it might be three. So there was a, okay. there was a price drop for the Xbox One uh, Titanfall bundle. There was mm. a price drop when they got rid of the Connect, and there was a price drop just now. They're, they're desperate. One. To, they, I don't like. I, they're desperate to turn a profit on that thing right now yeah. because it's just when they look at their numbers compared to how Sony's doing with PlayStation Four, it's just it's been dominant, right? And uh, but how long? I, yeah, I, I can't say Sony's slipping. I think that yeah, they've had some hiccups. Again, agreeing with uh, Darius on that, but that's not going to kill them. No. I think that uh, what we need to see more of before we can make a definite opinion on that is more of those first-party games. Like We need right. to see how Halo Master Chief Real Section is released and how that drives console sales. We need to see how the order is received. Mm-hmm. And then I think after holiday this year, we need to watch to see where more of the third-party games are going to what system as opposed to what system is being sold to see who is actually you know doing better. Mm-hmm. Because, okay... Let's face it, like a lot of these kids these days, they'll have both systems. Mm-hmm. And like, well, what do I want to play it on? And what is my friends playing on? I, again, yeah. And if you have more of that community playing on one system rather than the other, you can kind of get a feel for how that's going to go. Right on. That's true. Well, I think, I think. I, I would agree. I would agree with what both of you said. It, it's going to take some time to really know for sure what will happen. But I'm trying to stay optimistic, but also like be cautious a little bit because we've seen we've seen companies start really strong and end really weak, or we've, we've seen the opposite start really weak and end up strong. So like the, the Nintendo 3DS um, that started very, 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 very weak, like extremely weak, and then like it's like the number one thing people are buying right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's if you look at it. I mean, with Nintendo and how it, this is coming from a kid who grew up playing Nintendo, I have a strong love for their characters, for their right. games, and it's it's something that's been. I want to say it's almost like watching a family member losing control of their life as it is, yeah. because you look at how dominant Nintendo used to be. What Google was, and where if you're playing a video game, to where somebody was like, "Oh, well, you're playing a Nintendo. That's cool." Yeah, even though you're playing on the PlayStation or something like that. And now exactly. they don't have that anymore. And people say PlayStation or X, you know, like, oh, you're playing an Xbox. It's like, well, I'm playing a PS3 or a PS4. Yeah, like, oh, you're playing yeah. PlayStation. Yeah. And Nintendo has lost that, I think. But there's still some, like, in our generation as a household name. Mm-hmm. With, we know what Nintendo is. Yeah. But when you're looking at 
you take all three consoles that are out right now. You got PlayStation 4, you got Xbox One, and then you have Wii U sitting in a little corner over there with a mountain of just regular Wii games. If you're like at a GameStop, we're just like they're all third party crap. And I'm like, this, it, I, I don't know. It's just like Nintendo was wanted to make such a money, they were just stamping their seal of approval on anything. And I remember when Nintendo's seal of approval used to mean something. Yeah. Like back in the day, because that was like, okay, cool. Like, when a Mega Man game came out for my Nintendo, like a Super Nintendo or something like that, and it had that big thing, I'm like, okay, cool, I know this is going to be fun. Right. But, but now, they played so much into their third-party you know, thing where they want to make party games. It's like, they're losing like the hardcore crowd a bit. I mean, uh, people aren't going to be getting Advanced Warfighter for Wii U. Who's going to be doing that? Or, is it even coming to the Wii U? I don't know. I don't think it is. I haven't heard anything about it. And I don't think it when is. you and then when you look at it, it's just they hired somebody else recently. They were doing some uh, new research. I think they're making another hardware system. I heard and, about that. And I am hopeful that it's gonna be up to spec for some of the other stuff out there. And there's three things they need to do with it if they're gonna make a hardware that's gonna compete with PlayStation Four and Xbox One. They need to make it to where it's socially easily accessible, like, you know, PlayStation and Xbox, where they can both get on YouTube, Twitch, all those kind of things. You need to make sure that this thing is easy to code for, because that's what's murdered them, I think, especially on Wii U. Like, Watch Dogs, it didn't come out until, like, a year later on Wii U. And it's, you've got... You've got those couple things, and then you also need to make the games people want to play. Like we're gonna, you're gonna need to come out swinging with some more first party titles. Like you may want to put a Smash Brothers on there; that'd be awesome. But you need to put some of those old standbys. Like we're gonna need another Metroid. We're gonna need another Star Fox. We're gonna need Star Fox. Like a lot of yeah. Like we're gonna need something that's gonna push F-0. that thing. Like, oh what hey, this game's that? gonna be fun. GameCube's been the last we've seen of it. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. That's it. And like yeah, like F Zero. Like I remember playing that racing game, and that game was nuts. Mm-hmm. Like I think that if you could release F Zero and put like if they were going to do like an F Zero on Wii U, that would work so well. I think, and even looking to get because it's not going to have that comparison with Froza because these these are little, these are cars that are totally going like seven hundred miles an hour, like Mach Four yeah. down a ridiculous track, yeah, and just like spinning out and exploding all over the place. It's it's a very nice arcadey kind of thing, yeah. Um, I just I feel like I feel like they know, don't really Nintendo, care about consoles that much. They just want to focus on handhelds. Well, the thing is, Nintendo's still making money. Yeah, this is true. This is true. A, a conversation I had with uh, the Prince Andy. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, we just spoke about him a little earlier. I, I was talking about if Nintendo, I think, wants to make a new handheld as opposed to make a console, they need to make it a phone too. Mm. Uh, because you have all those crazy Nintendo games that they're never going to make on just like iOS or Android and as insane like I'm telling you those would sell like great yeah but if they make their own phone that it's still a good phone and then like go through like every major network go through AT&T Verizon uh, Sprint all those and then you have these games that are exclusively to that they're going to make so much more money to where they wouldn't even necessarily need to make a new hardware generation because right. you got it on a phone. Right. And this is a company that's constantly reinvented itself. I mean, it used to be a love hotel company. It used to be a trading card company, and they went into yeah. video games. Yeah. I think if they, the ne- if they went into phones, that would be the next logical step for them. I think it'd be great. Even if it wasn't phones, if it was just tablets, because they already have the tablet device for the Wii U. If they yeah. turn, it's right there. The, if they turn the console 
into a tablet that you take with you anywhere you go and then connect that to the TV. Right. That like to me that is the next logical step. Like mm-hmm. tablets are, are becoming so big now and they already they're already implementing it in some way in their console as it is. So they can have a handheld and a console in one thing. Cuz there are there are there are gaming laptop like tablets that are like that. Right. Mm. That would fit right in with where the market's going. Yeah. Nintendo if you're listening, stop fucking up. <laughs> Make a phone <laughs> Make a or phone, give me Star Fox. Exactly. Those are your two options. And Sony, no more hiccups. No more hiccups. No more. Oh, yeah. And oh, Just yeah. And for the love of God. Yeah. Please don't make me have to walk around a Star Fox again. I don't like <laughs> and the, man, they, they, the order needs to be a good game. I've been hearing from some publications that it's okay. It's very, very pretty, but gameplay wise, it's not. It's like uninspired. Right. Mm. They need to make that game really fucking good. Cause right. People, people. And Microsoft, I think, if they want to, yeah, if they want to succeed, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think if Microsoft wants to succeed, yeah, keep the flat price slash permanent. Do that. You're going to sell a lot more by undercutting them because your hardware isn't like too much different. It's only going to become evident like later on in the cycle, and you can always do software updates to your thing through the internet like that. That's fine, but what you want to do, keep that price cut. Make it to where. Like maybe in this like holiday season or even early next year to where it's not just the bundle at three fifty. Okay, you just make the system three fifty, mm-hmm. and then you can have you can have people who haven't bought uh, Xbox One. Okay, I can get the Xbox One, the controller, the Connect. Maybe even they just throw the Connect in there as opposed to connect like, with put it trying to make their money the back on that. Just three fifty. If they did, I mean, they won't. They won't just because of how much it costs. But if they made it to where you have even just the Xbox One, and then you sell that with a game, to where the the system itself is three fifty, and then you got a game that's like sixty or so bucks, mm-hmm. like brand new, to where you can have that for the same price as buying just the console of PlayStation. Right. That would help them out, I think, immensely. I think yes, but I also think if they did those bundles for three fifty that came with the game, that would also mm-hmm. that'd be better for the consumer. Maybe well, yeah, it'd be better for us, but like the perception now that if you look at it, especially after the last year's E3, was that Sony is the cool guy that's just hanging out in a t-shirt at the end of the bar who's offering to buy you a drink, and then Microsoft are the guys that are all huddled around one table talking about business that don't want anything to do with you, that are being loud and annoying, mm. and that are just completely inflexible about you know moving out of your way so you can watch the TV. <laughs> it's 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 where that they inadvertently painted themselves in, as an image of just trying to make money. Yeah. Because right. they sh- they wanted to originally ship this console with always internet connected, having to have a connect, not being able to play used games to where it would just drive to them to have more money to be made. Right. They want to they want to undo that price cut, keep it permanent. Yeah. All right. So before we put this podcast to a close, I don't I'll, I obviously don't exactly want to, but we are on the hour, <laughs> hour and twenty six minute mark uh, for for the uh, the call recorded thing. Um, are any of these other ones ones you'd like to talk about more so than the other? The the last two, the two Japanese games need to care slash no same generation hypothesis. I'll say that. Um... I think Japan needs to step up their game when it comes to making. I know that they're still recovering from the uh, the earthquake and the tsunami they had, and that murdered a lot of their game development and just their economy in general mm-hmm. in a lot of areas. But I think we just need to see more games from them. Mm-hmm. I think that would make it better. Yeah. 
Because the, the argument I always make about Japanese-developed games is that the reason why they've been so popular is because they're so different than Western games. Mm. Right. So if they're trying to make their games just like everyone else's games, well, it's not really helpful. Right. And how many, how many more Final Fantasies do you need to have before it's actually the final Final Fantasy? <laughs> the final Final <laughs> Fantasy doesn't exist. <laughs> of your imagination. Also, I'm Batman. Nice. I agree. So I think we do need to see more games. I feel like during the time where it was Dreamcast and PlayStation 2, Japanese gamers, uh, developers were like at the top. You know what I mean? Mm. They were kind of setting the trends, saying Western gamers were like looking at their games, saying, oh, we need to incorporate some of that. You know what I mean? I think it needs to kind of come full circle again to a point where they can be dictating some of the trends in the industry again. Yeah. I think I think Platinum, in terms of action games, is yeah. really well with that. Yeah, I you're seeing oh, Vanquish. I loved it. Vanquish is awesome. <laughs> Fucking, I want more Vanquish. Bayonetta was awesome. <laughs> Metal Gear Rising was flawed because they didn't have enough time to work on the game they really wanted to. But yeah. a lot of the mechanics in the game were were really well done. Yeah, it was a unique take on the IP. I like that. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. definitely. So you know, Japanese developers, you don't you don't need to cater to an audience that already wants your shit. Exactly. And it, <laughs> well, it may take like, a while, yeah. but I'm fine with that. I'll wait until they get back on top, but just show us. And I think they're showing us with Platinum and things like Final that. Final Fantasy 15, you know. 15 looks great. Mm-hmm. I hope we can play it soon. <laughs> Before we all die. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys for coming on this podcast. Uh, this has been, of course, an enjoyable experience for me. Hopefully, yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is this is good times. Yeah, thanks for uh, having. Us. Kevin couldn't make it obviously because his computer is not working properly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevin, we missed you. We missed you. Got um, Kevin right here with us all times. Right here. Yeah. And for you guys at home, I think the recording started a little bit later than the 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 live stream. Mm. So again, it's training Mark Blue. We got uh, Serious Sam. And um, yeah, JBlaze06, thank you for tuning in. And as always, I'll catch you guys on the next podcast slash episode of JBlaze Online slash whatever the fuck. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> JBlaze out. I'm going to press the stop button.